you know, from the world's point of view, when we talk about hope, uh, there's, you know, when the world talks about hope, it really for them is nothing more than wishful thinking. It's, you know, they think, you know, is the weather going to be nice? Well, I sure hope so. Um, you know, um, it, it, are the Braves going to win the World Series next year? Probably not, but man, I sure hope so. Um, is this problem or trial ever going to end? I sure hope it does. That, that's, when you hear that kind of hope, that's what we call wishful thinking. The hope that we find in the Bible is not wishful thinking. Biblical hope is, is a strong, confident expectation in God's future faithfulness and his presence. His, his, not just his future faithfulness, but his present faithfulness and presence. We, we don't just think that God is going to be faithful. We expect him to be faithful. We, we know it to be true. We don't just desire that God will be with us during our difficult moments. We, we actually live with a strong, confident expectation that he is with us right now. Hope is a wonderful gift from the Lord. It's a source of strength. It's, it's, a, it's, it's our courage in the face of life's toughest moments. I, I love these words from, from author and pastor Chuck Swindoll. He says, when we're trapped in a tunnel of pain and misery, hope points the light to the light at the end. When we are overworked and exhausted, hope gives us fresh energy. When we get discouraged, hope lifts our spirits. When we are tempted to quit, hope keeps us going. When we lose our way and confusion blurs our destination, hope keeps us from panic. When we struggle with a crippling disease or a lingering illness, hope helps us preserve beyond the pain. When we fear the worst, hope brings reminders that God is still in control. When we must endure the consequences of bad decisions, hope fuels our recovery. When we find ourselves unemployed, hope tells us that we still have a future. When we're forced to, to, to sit back and wait, hope gives us the patience to trust. When we say our final goodbyes to someone we love, hope and eternal life gets us through the grief. Simply put, when life hurts and dreams fade, nothing helps like hope. Hope is a strong, confident expectation in God's future faithfulness and his presence. You say, how, how, how vital is that expectation? Well, Think about this. Without it, students get discouraged and they drop out of school. Without it, athletic teams fall into slumps and continue to lose. Without it, marriages, they part, marriage partners decide to divorce. Addicts return to their habits. Dreams die. Inventors and artists and musicians and entrepreneurs and even preachers lose their creativity. Hope isn't merely a nice option that helps us temporarily clear a hurdle. It's essential to our survival. That's how important hope is. However, as we talk about hope this morning, it's essential for every person who calls himself a child of God. It's essential that we know with all confidence where our hope comes from. Psalm chapter 62 verse 5 says, For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from him. Psalm chapter 71 verse 5 says, O Lord, you alone are my hope. I've trusted you, O Lord, from my childhood. Psalm 39, 7, David says, And now, O Lord, for, for what do I wait? My hope is in you. Our hope is, is not only found in the Lord, it's not only found in Jesus, our hope is Jesus this morning. So regardless of what circumstances you're dealing with today, I want you to know that, that not only is, is, is the source of our hope our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ, but he is our hope. He, he is hope. He is the reason that we can have today a sure, strong, confident expectation in God's future faithfulness and presence. One of my favorite books uh, in, in the Bible, in, in, in the New Testament, is, is 1 Peter, because it's written by a man who not only understood hope, but he wrote this letter to a, a group of people who desperately needed some hope. 
In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1 through 2, Peter identifies himself as, the, as the, the author. And he says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, he says, to those, he's writing, who are elect ex- exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Cappadocia um, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father and the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for the sprinkling with his blood. And he says, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Peter says that the people that he's writing this letter to are Jewish Christians who have been pushed out of Israel because of their faith. They are exiles. They are they're refugees. And they're suffering and being persecuted for their faith in Christ. Now, most of us in this room, we, we've never been through horrible persecution for our faith. We, most of us, we know what it's like to feel mistreated, to be at some point maybe rejected. Some of you have faced abuse in your life. Others of you have experienced tremendous disappointment and, and discouragement. And, and here we are going into the Christmas season today. And some of you, um, you just, you know, you walk into this and, and you go, oh, not again. Because this for you is nothing more than a season of loneliness. For a lot of you, it's, it's a season that uh, brings up a lot of grief. And so fortunately, this letter that Peter writes not only brings us hope, but here's what it does. It, it, it breathes, it, it helps to breathe hope into whatever it is that you're dealing with today. It's not just for first century believers in Asia or Galatia or Cappadocia. It, it, it's, it's for believers today in Dallas, Georgia, in, in Marietta or Hiram or Cartersville or Douglasville or, or Ackworth or Powder Springs or Atlanta. And I love how Peter addresses the believers then, and I love how he addresses us today. He calls us God's elect, God's chosen people. What, what does that mean? Well, one author says that God's elect, he says, we, we aren't just thrown on, on earth like dice tossed across the table. We are sovereignly and lovingly placed here for a purpose, having been chosen by God. His choosing us was according to his foreknowledge by the sanctifying work of the Spirit, that we may obey Jesus Christ, having been sprinkled by his blood. And then he goes on to say, God has given us a purpose for our existence, a reason to go on, even though that existence includes tough times. Living through suffering, we become sanctified. In other words, set apart for the glory of God, we gain perspective. We grow deeper. We grow up. In other words, God never wastes our trials and our moments of pain. There's actually a purpose behind everything that we go, we go through. And even though it's challenging and even brutal, God has a plan and he has a purpose behind all of it. Now, beginning in verse 2, all the way to verse 9, the Apostle Peter gives these believers who he's writing to some, some, some tremendous reasons to have hope. He said, actually says at the end of verse 2, he says, and this is my translation, may God overwhelm you and blow you away with the grace and peace that comes from Jesus Christ. And Peter gives them some truths that they need to cling on to as they suffer, as they, as they face the trial that they go through, as they, they go through the season of pain. And, and some of you here today, you may be going, you know what, I, I'm really not going through anything. I'm not in a trial. I'm not suffering. I'm not experiencing pain. I want you to write down everything I, I'm about to say, because I'm going to unpack these first few verses of 1 Peter. They're, they're actually kind of challenging to understand. But I'm unpack them and I'm going to give you some points. And I want you to write them down. Even though you may not be going through a season of suffering or trial, chances are in the future you will. Okay? It's one of those things that all of us deal with and we're all promised uh, in life that we're going to go through tough, tough seasons. All right? So how is it that we today are able to, to push 
a way, or excuse me, to pause for hope during any season of life? Well, first of all, here's what Peter tells us. He says, we have a living hope. Verse three says, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Peter says that we have been born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, why does, why does Peter mention the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Well, because that's the basis of our hope. Jesus Christ is not just our source of hope. He is hope. A living hope is one that has life in it. And therefore it gives us life. It can give us life. Our living hope, Jesus has made it through the most painful of trials, the most brutal of punishments, the worst of persecutions, the, the, the absolute most terrible moments of rejection, and then he conquers death. And if God can bring his son through all of that, and if Jesus Christ is the living hope that lives inside of us, then he can certainly bring us through whatever we face in this world, regardless of how hopeless or how, 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 how terrible your situation may be at this moment. Imagine how empty the idea of hope must be in this world right now for people that don't have Jesus Christ as their anchor and as their strength. I can't even imagine Looking at all that's going on in this world right now, politically, in our country, racially, everything, and just going, well, I just hope everything works out. Without Jesus Christ, hope is nothing more than a mental fantasy. It's like dropping a penny into a fountain and wishing for good luck or wishing upon a star. It just sounds like a good Disney song, but it's nothing more than wishful, wishful thinking. You know, I sure hope I, wish the lo- I sure hope I win the lottery. I sure hope my, my boy comes home today. I, I really hope everything works out for you. That's not living hope. That's wishful thinking. But the Bible says that because of our salvation, we have a living hope that has been promised because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus conquered the grave and he's alive today, he is our living hope. And for those of you who are struggling during this holiday season with grief or pain or loneliness, You just keep reminding yourself that as a Christian, what you're going through today isn't the end of the story. It's simply a tough part of the journey that's leading to the right destination. So we can pause for hope because we have a living, we have a living hope that lives inside of us. We can also pause for hope because we have an eternal inheritance. First Peter 1, 4 says, in, in, to the inheritance that is, I love these words, imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. I want to break those down. I want to, I want to look at what the words that Peter's using here. Imperishable means that nothing can ruin it. Undefiled means that nothing can stain it or cheapen it. Unfading means that nothing can wear it out, not, can't ever disappoint us. Kept in heaven just for you means that it's reserved just for you. It's got your name on it. Now, what is this inheritance that Peter's talking about? It's, it's our salvation. Nothing is going to ruin it. Nothing's going to stain it. Nothing can wear it out. And once you receive it, God is keeping it reserved just for you today. In other words, it's a permanent reservation. And I promise you, it's not going to, going to disappoint. Now, I don't know if you've ever shown up at a hotel or a resort and they lost your reservation, but um, it's a really frustrating feeling. I, I, I had this happen uh, a few years ago. I actually was, was renting a car in Orlando, Florida. I was down there for a conference and uh, not only had they lost my reservation, but they didn't have any cars left at all. I'm stuck in Disney. Imagine that. Okay. 
Um, but you know, so I, I talked with the manager for a while and, and, and I was being nice as I could be. And, and he, he finally apologized for the mistakes. And he said, well, here's the deal. We do have this one car. Now, when somebody says like that, something like that, it's really either going to be really good or really, really bad. Okay. Well, I didn't get the Maserati. Okay. I got the Humpty. And, uh, when I got to that car, somebody, it was, it was very clear to me right from the get-go that someone had abused that poor car and I got to be the next driver. Listen, if you're a child of God and you receive God's free gift of salvation through faith alone in Jesus Christ, not only is there a reserved place in heaven for you, but I promise you that you're not going to be disappointed when you get there. It's going to exceed anything that your imagination could ever dream up. I love the words of author Scott Sauls. He says, our hope isn't anchored in this present world, but in the world to come, because this is true. Because this is true, our long-term worst case scenario is resurrection and everlasting life. How about that? An eternity of perpetual and unending strength and momentum and bliss. The wind will forever be at our backs. It will be a world in which, as C.S. Lewis has said, every day will be better than the one before. It will also be as the world, as J.R. Tolkien has said, everything sad will come untrue, sorrow will be no more, and all things will be redeemed. So regardless of whatever you're going through, I want you to know your salvation not only gives you hope for today, but it gives you hope for eternity. And you can make it through today. You can make it through this season when you know that you have a future like that waiting for you one day. We can also pause for hope because Peter says we have a spiritual guardian. First Peter 1.5 says, who by God's power are being guarded through faith, talking about us, for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. The New International Version says we are being protected by the power of God. He is our spiritual guardian. Now, one of the biggest questions that we ask when we go through tough moments or we go through trials or we see somebody really being abused or persecuted, we ask the question, God, where are you in the midst of this? Where, where are you in the midst of my pain or my suffering right now? And Peter says, he is right there guarding you. He is protecting you. He's not surprised by what's happening to you. He's not caught off guard. Nothing in, comes into your life that doesn't go first through his hands. And even though those trials that we go through, they're more than we can handle, all right? I want you to know, I know that and I understand that, but here's our hope in the midst of that. Regardless of our pain, regardless of the hurt, regardless of the confusion, the disorder, the disease, nothing can threaten or weaken God's protection over your life. He's our hope. When you're at your lowest moment, he's right there with you. Sometimes he's holding you, Sometimes he's leading you by your hand. Sometimes he's walking beside you. Sometimes he's carrying you, but you are secure. You're secure. He's protecting you. And not only are you secure, but I want you to know your salvation is secure as you go through these trials and the pain and the miseries that, that you may be facing. Let me give you two words that you need to hold on to when you're low on hope. The word accept and the word trust. The word accept and the word trust. You accept the mystery of pain the mistreatment, the, the suffering, the hardship and the trials. And sometimes you, you don't have to try to understand it. You don't even have to try to explain it because even if you could understand it, sometimes the answer won't be good enough for you. And then you make a deliberate decision to trust God to guard you and protect you by his power from this moment into all of eternity. See, because this life is full of pain and trials and things that just stink. 
And when you can recognize that, you go, you know what? I accept that. But at the same time, God, I trust you. I trust that you will protect me and guard me as I go through whatever is happening now or whatever may be coming next. I accept that and I trust you, Lord. We can also pause for hope because Peter says we have a growing faith. Now, he says in verse six, in this, talking about all this pain and suffering, he says, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials so that the testing the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, through, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, this is one of the first of many times that Peter actually mentions the word rejoice or joy in this letter, this whole letter. But I want you to notice right after the word rejoice in verse 6, it's, he uses the word though. Rejoice even though you have been grieved by various trials. Now, what that means is that means that, that our joy should be unconditional. That means that our joy should never depend upon our circumstances. Our joy should never depend on our stuff. That, that means that our joy should still be there even when we're going through a trial. Now, we don't rejoice because we're going through hard times. We rejoice in spite of the fact that they're hard. Now, I want to make a couple comments about trials. I just want to take a little time out in the midst of this and go, because I want to unpack this a little bit. Because we all face them. And as I said earlier, if you're not facing one now, you will face one in the future. And the fact is that trials are necessary. And here's what Peter says about that. He says, trials prove the genuineness of our faith. They teach us humility. Trials bring us to a place of surrender and even helplessness. And where does that land us? Oftentimes it lands us right on our faces before God. And how does God look at humility? James tells us that he gives grace to the humble. Where does God want us? He wants us on our faces before him. It's a really good place to be. Let me, let me tell you what has been over the, my life, over my life, the most effective way to humble this rebel heart of mine. Trials. What, what, what puts me on my face quicker than anything else? Trials. They're necessary. But they're also, they come in various forms. Now the word various here. Peter writes about it, it literally means multicolored. In other words, our trials come in a variety of forms. There, there are various diseases, there are various forms of sorrow, there are various forms of difficulty. Trials are different and we are different. There are things that cause you great pain that may not impact some people that same way. There are things that cause me intense pain that, that, that doesn't impact you the same way. And that's because we're, we are created differently and we need to give each other grace to be different as we go through tough times. Now, here's a cool thought. The only time that Peter uses this word various is in chapter four, verse 10 of first Peter. And, and when he's talking, he's talking about the word grace. And here's what he says. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. In other words, our trials are multicolored, but God's grace is also multicolored. Now, what are you getting at here, Brian? Well, that means that there's grace to match the trial that you're going through today, okay? You, you might have a specific trial in your life that's just wearing you out and God has a specific type of grace to match that trial, okay? He has what you need. The Apostle Paul talks about a thorn that he had in his side. We don't know exactly what it was, but he prayed three times for God to take it and each time God says, I'm not taking it away, no, 
Paul, I'm not going to do that. And finally, Paul said, okay, I accept it and I trust you. I accept it and I trust you. And God said, then my grace is sufficient for that thorn. God matched the color of the trial with the color of grace that Paul needed. Trials are also extremely difficult. Now, let me give you a little bit of advice when when dealing with someone who's going through a trial. Don't make light of it. Don't say, oh, you know, what what you're going through is nothing compared to what I've been through. That doesn't help people, okay? If I'm going through a trial, listen, don't preach to me. Don't, don't get me to try to sing with you. I've actually had people do that before. It's really weird. Don't, don't put your arm around me and tell me you love, and you know, no, actually put your arm around me and tell me you love me. Okay. I do want you to do that. And tell me that you're going to pray for me. And if you want to cry with me. Okay. Because we're called to bear one another's burdens, not to try to one up them with our past burden. And then trials are also controlled by God. Trials don't last forever. As you know, they just last for a season, for a little while. I love what Warren Warren Wearsby says. He says, when God permits us to go through trials, he keeps his eye on the clock and his hand on the thermostat. If we rebel, he may have to reset the clock. But if we submit, he will not allow us to suffer one minute too long. The important thing is to learn what he is saying and what he's trying to teach us. In this, Peter uses the illustration of gold being tested by fire. And you know, when a, when a goldsmith or a silversmith wants to get all the impurities out of a, of a precious metal, what will they do? They will put it into the furnace until all the impurities come out of the metal and it will rise to the top. And then he'll put it back in the furnace again and all the impurities will rise to the top. And he'll just keep repeating that and repeating that and repeating that. And he'll keep doing it over and over until all he can see in that precious metal is his face being reflected back at him. And that's one of the reasons that the Lord allows us to go through trials so that when he looks into our lives, he doesn't see our impurities. All he sees is the reflection of his son, Jesus, looking back. God never wastes your trials. I want you to know that. He never wastes your suffering. He never wastes your pain. He doesn't waste any season that you're going through. But we can also pause for hope because we have, and I love this, we have an unseen savior. First Peter 1 Peter 1.8 says, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with, uh, and, excuse me, and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. What Peter's saying is, is that these persecuted believers, he's telling them how to make it through trials. He's telling them how to rejoice in trials. And he's telling them that Jesus is standing next to them as they go through the furnace. Even though you can't see him, he's there. You don't have to see him to know him. You don't have to, you don't have to see him to love him. When, when Amy became pregnant with our first son, Taylor, and then three years later, our son, Zachary, I didn't have to see those little guys. I already loved them before I ever laid eyes on them. Amen. Here's the fact. I have never physically seen Jesus before, but I still love him. As crazy as it sounds to some, even though I've never touched him, I've never seen him, I've never audibly heard his voice, I've given my life to him and I love him. And I've gone through painful trials and I felt his presence. I've felt his peace come over my life when I, I felt like all was lost and I felt hopeless. I've actually sat on this stage as parents have sat in that first row right there, who've just lost a child and they've come up and as I've sat back here and they've stood right behind this same podium and they've displayed courage that cannot be explained apart from the grace of a living hope, a living savior. 
I've sat on this stage and I've watched men and women who have been married for over 40 or 50 years with deep pain courageously walk up those steps and stand behind this podium to say goodbye to their their spouse. And every time it happens, I sit back there and I say, how is this happening? It just can't be explained apart from a hope anchored in an unseen savior. It just can't. It can't be explained apart from grace. Listen, I don't need to physically see him. I've seen enough in my life. I've experienced his faithfulness. I've basked in his presence and I love him this morning. And then Peter tells us we have a guaranteed deliverance. He says, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. How many of you have ever flown before and taken a carry-on bag onto a plane? Raise your hand. You're smart. You say, why, why, why do we do that? Well, because we want the guarantee that our clothes and personal items are going to get to where they're going, right? If you've ever had an airline lose your bags, I promise you, you will become a fan of the carry-on bag. Peter makes a statement here to these scattered Christians who are, who are going through this horrific trial. He says, when it comes to God's ability to deliver us through trials and to deliver our souls to heaven, to get you to where you intend to go, it's a guarantee. We have a hope greater than our sorrows. We have a hope greater than our suffering, than our trials. It's a strong, confident expectation in God's future faithfulness and presence. I want to close with this wonderful verse that I ran into a few days ago. I love it. I go back to it time and time again because it gives me tremendous hope when, when I get really tough texts or emails from people in this church or friends outside of this church. 1 Peter 5.10 says, And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and he will establish you. The God of all grace will restore, he will confirm, he will strengthen, he will establish you. I mean, that's a great promise. And so I want you to know that whatever you're going through today, whatever pain this season means for you, if it's loneliness, if it's, if it's grief, if it's, if it's a longing that's inside of you or you, you, this season brings up for you the, the loss of a loved one or I just spoke with a man a few moments ago after the first service who just buried his daughter in October. Listen, regardless of what it is, what, what it has been, what it is right now, God says, listen, I'm gonna get you through this. You're guaranteed, it's guaranteed delivery. And when it happens, I'm going to restore you. I'm going to confirm you. I'm going to strengthen you. And I'm going to establish you because Jesus is your living hope. We have an unseen savior. We have a spiritual protector. Now I want to challenge you with something before you leave. And as I've said this again and again, this is the Christmas season. There are a lot of hurting people all around us. I want you to listen to this verse out of Romans chapter 15, verse 13. Apostle Paul says, may the God of all hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's let our lives over the next several weeks, let's let our lives overflow with hope, that confident expectation in God's present and future faithfulness or presence. Let's, this Christmas season, let, let's, be, let's be ambassadors of hope. When we're, when we're in the stores, when we're in restaurants, when we're in schools, when we're hanging out with friends, when we're on social media, when we're 
even in this building right here today, let's, let's let our lives overflow with hope so that they can see the hope that we have inside of us. Let, let's, let, let's let that hope draw others to Jesus so that when all the craziness outside of this building is going on and people are getting all wrapped up in wishful thinking, hoping that things might get better, that when they look at our lives, they go, I don't know what's up with them, but there's a peace that no one else seems to have. There's just this subtle confidence about the future that I just can't seem to find. There's a, there is this, um, I don't know, there, there's just this overwhelming joy that just comes into their life. Even when they're going through tough times, they just seem to be okay. They don't, they don't crackle and fall apart. What is that? You're overflowing with hope. Because why? Because our hope is anchored in the source of our hope, Jesus, because he is hope. And so as we go through this season, let our lives overflow with hope so others may see the hope that we have and be drawn to Jesus during this time. Let's bow our heads. Father, we love you today. Thank you for hope. We want to pause. We want to push the pause button on the season. Before all the busyness and craziness starts, and for some it already has, we just want to pause and recognize you, Jesus our unseen savior, the source of our hope, our spiritual guardian, our living hope. Thank you. And we wanna make sure as we look ahead, even with all of the, the stuff that we deal with through the next, through this season and for a lot of people, it's challenging, it's painful, it brings up a lot of things. May we just push back and pause, push the pause button and say, Lord, Regardless of what the next several days and weeks may bring, my hope is in you because you are my hope. If you're here today and you've never trusted Jesus Christ, your hope maybe is in yourself and your, your family, the country you were born in. I don't know. Maybe you went to church when you were little and all your hope for eternity or even right now has been placed in something outside of Jesus and what only he has done for you by his death on a cross for you, where he paid for your sins so that you might have forgiveness and new life, redemption. If your hope is in anything outside of that, can I be honest with you today? You're hopeless. And yet Jesus Christ came to give you hope, to be your living hope today. And he wants to breathe hope inside in, into your life today through a personal relationship with him. And that can be received at this very moment. If you just want to pray with me, just say, Father, the source of my hope today for so long has been anything but Jesus. But today, I put my faith and my trust in Jesus. And I ask that he would be my hope for not only today, but for the future and on into eternity. And what he's done for me on the cross is enough. I say yes, and I receive your gift of salvation that you've offered to me by grace, I receive it through faith. And I say, thank you for that. And Lord, forgive me of my sins, Lord. Today, my hope is in you. My hope is in Jesus. And Jesus, you are the son of God. Thank you.